You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 739. I guarantee you we had a similar conversation about this, and I promise you the parameters were different. Like, I, I, I don't know, know what they were. I have no idea what they were, but they were different. And that's what we have to do. I mean, we're investors, so we have to follow where the money is, and we, our tactics have to constantly change. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. What's up, Rhino Tribe? This is Lauren Hardy, and you are listening to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. Today, I am so excited because I have one of my best friends, not just in real life best friends, but also in the industry. His name is Tag Thompson. Tag is truly one of the most successful people that I know that is virtually wholesaling. Tag has done, I don't even know, a billion deals all over the country. He is a mentor even to me, he started his virtual journey a little bit before me. So, and at the time, he was the only person I knew that was virtual alongside me. I didn't know anyone else. So, I really, really hung on to our friendship and our mentorship and having that in common over the years. So, I'm so excited to have Tag on this show. So, Tag, welcome to the program. Lauren, it's so good to be back on. It's been a while since, uh, if we've done an actual like podcast like this, which they're always so much fun. I know. So. Fun fact, Tag was actually the first podcast I ever hosted on the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. So if you guys want to look back about a year, I do not remember which episode it was, but maybe we can put that in the show notes. But that was the first podcast I had ever done for Wholesaling Inc. And it was with Tag. So if you guys want a little refresher, look back at that. But for those of you who do not know Tag Thompson, Tag, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and where you're from and about your business? Yeah. So I'm, I'm probably less of a real estate person than most people are, that are on these podcasts. Um, I've been a serial entrepreneur for over 20 years now. I've had every kind of business you can imagine from technology businesses to own the clothing brand for a little while, I, uh, data centers. I mean, just kind of everything you can imagine. I spent a long time in animal medicine. So anything that I can kind of get my hands into and put my skill set into and turn a business, maybe one that's already functioning, go into it, you know, pull it to make it really profitable and then sell it. I just kind of whatever I get into. But for the last three and a half, almost four years now, I've been in wholesaling. One of my great friends, David Olds, told me about wholesaling and I didn't believe him. I didn't know how it was possible. So I really got obsessed with that idea. And he was telling me how much money you could make off of a single transaction. You know, even at this time, there really weren't a lot of wholesaling companies, right? So there were wholesalers all over the place. But as far as taking the idea of wholesaling and systematizing it and hiring a big staff, and turning a lot of deals. There weren't a lot of companies doing that. And that's kind of where my expertise lies. So we started this company and have, like you said, done a bajillion deals, uh, <laughs> done a lot. So the reason I went virtual is we were doing a lot of deals in Chattanooga, right? So we, we kind of maxed out our market here. We had trouble, honestly, on the dispo side, moving more than maybe five deals in a week. Like there just weren't enough buyers for us. 
So we started expanding out. And at the time, the idea of virtual wholesaling, it didn't, I mean, people were doing it, but it was kind of this underground thing that no one discussed. You know, Lauren didn't have her course yet. There weren't videos about it. Like you just, no one really did it. So we made a lot of mistakes. You know, we initially just kind of expanded into a couple of extra markets that were outside of our normal market. And man, we just, we made a lot of mistakes. We failed our way to success. You know, we, God, I think there was at one point we had like an 85% contract failure rate just because we didn't know what we were doing. And now luckily we've been doing it long enough that we've kind of mastered that ability to be able to go into a market with, with no contacts, no boots on the ground, no buyers, and be able to do inspections, take pictures, market the property, do showings with buyers and move properties without ever having set foot in that city. So none of my staff lives in those cities that we work in. So tomorrow we might get a deal in Boise, Idaho, which is a very long way from Chattanooga, Tennessee, but we figured out how we can lock that deal up, the mechanics behind getting it done and be able to move that property without ever really being there, even though it's all the way across the country. So, so it's just been such a pleasure, like, so having worked with Lauren since the very beginning of our journeys in virtual wholesaling and figure this stuff out together, it's just been so much fun. Yeah, you definitely like were one of my go-to people where I would just balance questions off of you. Like, hey, how would you handle this situation? And um, I had another good guy, Adrian Nez. He was the, it was like you and Adrian and I were like the only people that were virtual. It was not a lot of people. Nobody was really talking about it no courses, no YouTube university for the subject. So I relied heavily on my friends and we would kind of combine our experiences. Like we would, just, oh, well, I had that happen to me. This is how I handled it. And yeah. so, you know, that, and then boom, virtual investing mastery was born for my course. So, you know, it's been amazing getting to know you. Now, what I thought it would be fun, you know, to talk about is why people might want to go virtual um, and more like specifically, because you kind of, just nailed it right now with that Chattanooga was just too small and you were running out of buyers and you had to. So out of necessity, why do people go virtual or why should they? So I think there's a few reasons that it's necessary. One that we just talked about, which is man, maybe you're in a rural area. Chattanooga is not very rural, but we were doing a lot of deals already. So we had to find an area that literally just had enough buyers that could buy as many deals as we were coming up with. So, so maybe you're in a rural area where there's just, maybe there's a hundred people who are cash buyers or investors who are looking for properties and you literally just don't have enough of them mm-hmm. to, to move your deals. So that's kind of one scenario. The other side of the scenario is obviously sellers. So one of the things that's interesting that we've seen happen through COVID and now into this year is the real estate market's just absolutely bananas, right? It is insane. And so maybe you're too rural, but maybe you're also too metro. Maybe you're in a point where you're in a big city and finding a deal is just next to impossible. I mean, we dip our toe into major markets like Los Angeles and San Francisco every now and then. And it's so frustrating to see every single seller we talk to, they've already talked to 40 investors. They already know exactly how much they want for the property. They want full market value. And it's just impossible to find sellers who have any motivation to sell or even a low expectation of what they want for their property. Because if they wanted to sell it, they could call a realtor and they could sell that property, silencing cash offer instantly. 
So those are the two kind of big reasons I think that people want to go virtually. The second that's really important for us is it allows us to really maximize our marketing channels. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're in one market, and especially if you've been doing this for a while, Lauren and I talk a lot about list fatigue and data fatigue and data anxiety, because at some point you're only, you can hit that vacant list so many times, right? You have beat that horse to death. There's nothing left in it. And you just really, you've got that list anxiety. You feel like your list has just been, it's been recycled so many times. Well, when you can go into other markets, it allows you to still have those quality lists, but you haven't called them 400 times already. It's a brand new market. So you can really focus on maximizing your current marketing channels without having to maybe pivot away from cold calling and starting up a a paperclip campaign or something like that. So you can stay marketing the same way. It's just you're doing it in a place that, you know, hopefully it's a, maybe a bigger market than you have or a less competitive market than you have. Those are the, all the reasons I, you know, have gone virtual. Um, so when someone, you know, say is in a smaller market, this kind of, this is super fresh for me right now. Cause I was just talking to a student and he was bringing up a smaller market. And my first hesitation, you know, cause he's picking a market and he goes, do you think my hometown is okay? He lived in Fargo, North Dakota. Do you know that market other than it was in the movie Fargo? I do. Okay. So I don't know that like that market, you know, and I was just looking at basic numbers and I go, well, you know, the one thing about these smaller markets that are a little unknown, they're not major metros is that on the acquisition side, it's going to be easy to convince a seller to take a discount on their home because there's just not as much competition and there's probably more seller distress given the price point. So I was like, the acquisition side is probably going to be easy. It's going to be easy for you to get a contract. But then on the opposite side of when you try to sell it, you are going to have a hard time finding buyers. So I wasn't totally sure. You know, I was thinking, well, I I mean, it's kind of pick your poison, right? Which problem do you want? Because you're going to either you're in a major metro and you're going to have a hard time finding a deal. But when you do, it's going to be easy to sell it and you can probably push the price up, you know, or vice versa. So... Tell me what you think about that because you are in a lot of small markets now. Is it a good idea to be in these smaller markets? And what do you do to sell your deals when you are in a smaller market? Obviously the question that as soon as you go virtual, that's the first question everybody has is where do I go, right? And we have found that in our company, the places we need to go are not the major metros. It's also not necessarily rural. It's this kind of strange category in between. So what kind of we do is we have a a, kind of a silly anecdotal way that we pick our markets. We say, so is it a place that you've heard of or is it a place that's within a 30 minute drive of a place that you've heard of? So anecdotally, it kind of gets us to bigger areas and we've kind of narrowed it down to get those on the list and really figure out like what are the places that have the market's not so hot. So if you look at a market and you pull up some data and you can get this from Zillow or Redfin or any of those places and you pull up a city and it says, Hey, the the average days on market is like two, right? So the regular retail market, if it's this crazy hot retail market, don't necessarily go to those places. But what you can do is pick the outlier cities in those markets. And I'll give you a specific example that we actually locked a deal in today. So Charlotte, North Carolina is a huge market, right? It's gigantic. 
The other hard thing about Charlotte is there, it is, you know, much like kind of Phoenix, Arizona, Charlotte is kind of the East coast wholesaling Mecca, right? They're Max Maxwell, the Kings of Queen city, like all of these big kind of wholesaling educators are in Charlotte. So everybody's texting everybody, everybody's cold calling everybody. It's so crowded. So getting a deal in Charlotte's almost impossible, but if you go outside of kind of that beltway and into areas like Gastonia, North Carolina, mm. which actually only has about 25,000 people, the same buyers that buy in Charlotte also buy in Gastonia, but the sellers aren't used to getting all of that, mm-hmm. that marketing traffic. So we like have deals in Gastonia or a city like Albemarle, which is kind of outside that as well. Mm-hmm. So you can still kind of hover around those major metros, but kind of stick to the smaller areas outside of it. You'll find that those sellers are much more pleasant on the phone you'll actually get people that, man, they, maybe they've never actually talked to an investor before. And it's just so much easier. So, so pick those kind of outlier areas. So that's one category. The next is pick cities like Chattanooga, you know, cities where we're a decent sized city, we're over 150,000, but we're not over a million. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of mid-level. We've got a lot of buyers, but there's still sellers who are, are kind of, you know, less bombarded with marketing. So those are kind of the two tactics that we use. Yeah. And what would you say is too small? So talking in terms of population and maybe even price range, because that's, I have some anecdotal as well. It's funny you said that, like I have a different one that I'll share, but also I look at population. I say at least over 150,000 population, because you're just going to run out of data. You're just going to run out of lists really fast. And then um, I say price point, I, my sweet spot is between 130,000 to 200,000 average price in the county. So that's my sweet spot with price. What about you, um, population and price point? Like what is too small? So what we like to say is almost this exact same thing for population. We like to be over 120. That's kind of our rule. And ours is not necessarily the exact uh, median price range, but a mixture of price range and population growth. So mm-hmm. we like to see our average price range pretty much the same thing. We do our best deals anywhere between 150 and 300,000. Those are always the biggest ones. But really focusing on areas where there's more than a 5% population growth uh, over the last 10 years in those markets. That just means that there's, there's expansion, right? I mean, if you're putting 5% into a bucket and it's already full, it's going to start spilling out. So we focus on, you know, that price range, but also those zip codes where there's that kind of big population growth. And this is something I think that is always changing, right? Yes. Like we are filming this today, but we, this episode might date ourselves. I mean, we should say that at the time of this episode, this is the, yeah, that this is the criteria because I'll tell you a year ago, I was all about, you know, the million population metros, but I wanted the price range to be under 200,000. So there was still distress. But now I have students coming to me from, say, Atlanta, where two years ago, Atlanta was a great spot. And now those same students from Atlanta want to go virtual. And same with Charlotte, North Carolina. Like, that was a great place for a while. It was. And now they want to go virtual. So it's always changing, right? No, for sure. In fact, even if if you were to happen to find the episode that I was on, 
that had to be more than a year ago, but yeah. whenever that was like, I guarantee you we had a similar conversation about this. And I promise you the parameters were different. Like, I, I, I don't yeah. know what they were. I have no idea what they were, but they're different. And that's what we have to do. I mean, we're investors, so we have to follow where the money is and we, our tactics have to constantly change. Yeah. So when you are in a smaller market, when you get a contract, you know, say in Fargo, North Dakota, and it's not the easiest to unload because maybe there's not a huge real estate investment association, Facebook page that everybody posts their deals and they just get swiped up in two seconds. How do you move a deal? So honestly, if you're, if you're virtual, this is where it gets a little more tough in these very, very small ones. If you're local in a very, very small market, honestly, you can just go to your local hardware store, throw a bandit sign out there that says dirt cheap house for sale, and your phone's going to start ringing. However, if you're not local, uh, that's when it gets more difficult. That's when you're going to have to start careful, have to carefully start marketing maybe through some Facebook yard sale groups. I don't necessarily... I don't care how small your market is. There's always kind of a small neighborhood Facebook yard sale group. Okay. Um, you know, you can, I mean, you can try the Craigslist route, even though you're going to get a ton of people that aren't actual buyers through that, or you can, you know, go the technical route of there are always people that rent in every city, right? There's always renters, which means there's always landlords and you can find those landlords pretty easily. So if you look in the news, however you find landlords or rental properties in that market, it's usually pretty easy to pull up properties that are for rent, call that number, and that person's probably a landlord. So, you know, tell them, hey, I've got a property that's a lot like this one, are you interested in? So, so there's a lot of little tactics you can use, but it is so much harder to do virtual in a small market. I mean, it is so hard to do because the data access is so limited. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's very, very hard. But it is still doable and it's still yes. possible. Yeah. I mean, because we've done it. And so we know it's possible. I think if you are, you know, in that situation where maybe you're trying to leave your metro and you are, you know, trying to go virtual in a smaller market, then, you know, not to drop my coaching program here, but you need a coach, you need a mentor, or you need a friend like Tag who, who does it because yeah, it could get really tricky. What happens is you're going to have like a good contract and you're just going to have to cancel it because you can't figure, you know, you can't buy it. You can't figure out how to buy it and you can't find anyone else to buy it. So yeah. Having that mentor, you can call and say, Hey, I've got this deal. I've done everything I know how to do. Like what else is there? Well, mentors typically have been in that situation before and they can tell you, Oh, like they'll pull something up really quick and be like, Hey, here's a new tactic for you to do that. Probably nobody's thinking about. Mm -hmm. and try that. And you just, you have that access to somebody with that experience, which very few people have. Yeah. So having a mentor is so important in those scenarios. I found success working with other realtors in the smaller outskirt areas because we've worked other areas outside of my metro and we couldn't really move them, but then we would start showing the deals to realtors. And then they had, they knew like landlord buyers in the area. That's another way is like going to say realtor.com and typing in like the city and then seeing all the realtors that pop up and just get on the phone one day and call like 40 of them and show them the deal. And you'll probably be able to move it if it's a good deal by then. Yeah, absolutely. One of the tactics in small cities that we use is if you go to Zillow.com, type in the city, you're going to pull up every property that's for sale there. But it, there's a section in Zillow, I think it's under the more tab, you can just hit more and then go down to a search box where it'll search for keywords in any listing they have in that area. 
And it, if you just type the word investment, they'll have ton, every investment property that is for sale or has been for sale in that area will pop up. And they all have a realtor listed that sold that property. So those people are the ones that are already connected with investors in that area. And they probably have a buyer for you. That's a really, that's actually a really good one. I, I think I'm going to re-listen to this episode, you guys. There are a lot of very good practical tips in this one that I am going to re-listen. Yeah. Um, that's a really, really good one. And I think this, this topic, it's so like topical right now because I'm, the major metros are very sacred. I mean, we are in a real estate market that nobody can really figure out. It is hot, hot, hot. Anywhere that is somewhat desirable to live, there is not a lot of distressed inventory right now. No, I mean, so, it's, it's very, very hard to find. Yeah. So you have very to kind of go to the areas where there's still some distress and those are usually the smaller towns. Yeah. One of the things that we've actually shifted away from is looking for motivated sellers. I don't know that they exist in a lot of markets. Like people that are just desperate to get rid of their property. I don't know that those people exist in enough abundance that we can really say that's what we're looking for. And the people we're looking for right now are legit just the people who have low expectations for what they want in a transaction. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just, they literally, I just don't want to fool with the real estate market, mm-hmm. but my expectations aren't full retail. So we're just looking for those people with lower expectations. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of our deals are coming from right now. It's not people who are extremely motivated. It's people that just have low expectations. And like what that means is like, okay, so say three years ago, you know, you might've heard kind of on YouTube university guys, like if you get a lead, you need to qualify them before you make an offer. And what does qualify mean? It means that they have to have like four degrees of motivation, right? One is that their price expectation is already 70% of Zillow. Like from when you first asked them that question, right? The second degree is that they have to have some sort of like death in the family or bankruptcy or divorce or foreclosure, some sort of like life event motivation, you know, and then the property also has to be in like complete disrepair, like before you would give them an offer. Right. And that's because there was, there was a lot of seller distress, you know, seven years ago, eight years ago, there was way more seller distress. Now it's just somebody with lower expectations, meaning if somebody just says, yes, they'd be interested in an offer. You need to just give them an offer. <laughs> don't, don't put, everybody gets an offer. Everybody gets an offer. Just don't put like the, don't overqualify. And it's something that people, they have been doing. I, I get a lot of students that come to me and it's because they watch like a YouTube video from two, three years ago. And so then oh, they do. Sure they use that script and then they overqualify and then, you know, like they just, they like don't give out, they maybe get 20 leads, they give out five offers and it's because they overqualified, you know, using these degrees of motivation or whatever. And it's not like that now, now it's a numbers game and you just have to make lots of offers and lots of follow-up calls. Yep. Lots of follow-up calls. You've got to wait until that person maybe some stress gets introduced into their life or maybe they just don't care enough anymore. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're tough. Like we literally got a contract last week where a guy was like, I'm sick of getting these phone calls. You guys were nice to me. Send me the contract. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, so you've got to find those people who he does not really, he's not motivated. Like he's not necessarily stressed. He's just, you know, I'm to the point where I don't really care anymore. I've got a low expectation mm-hmm. and we were able to negotiate it to a point where we can make a little money. Yeah. So 
So yeah, no, you drive around. I mean, it's funny to see our list. We don't drive for dollars anymore, but going through the areas of town where we used to, I would get a hundred properties an hour that were like boarded up, mm-hmm. you know, cars in the front yard. You can't find a boarded up house in Chattanooga anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't care where you go. Like they've all been picked clean. They've all been picked up. So we're just not where we were. And because of that, we have to change our tactics and our understanding of how the market works. Ooh, good advice. Good advice, Tag. Well, Tag, it's been so fun talking all things virtual with you. Um, And if anybody that's listening maybe wants to reach out, say hi, how can they find you? Do you want to drop your social media handles here? Yeah, just reach me out on Instagram, especially uh, the wrong tag is my, my handle. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Tag, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And you guys, I hopefully will be able to put in the show notes the first episode that you and I did together because that's probably quite interesting. I probably yeah. will watch it and cringe because it was the first time I was ever a host. So I was probably pretty rusty. <laughs> <laughs> I've loosened up since then a bit. But Tag, it's great to have you. And uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. And again, if you guys are interested in a coaching program to take your wholesaling business, virtually, check out www.virtualinvestingmastery.com. Check that out. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.